It's important in those moments when we receive what we receive. What was the purpose in what God showed R.D. this morning? It was so that every one of us here could come with a brand new understanding of what God was determined to do in this body. That God is determined to lift the roof off of this place so that we could stand in the sun and look into the face of his child. To look into the face of the Son of God. I want to tell you, we know that's the Spirit because it recognizes Jesus and who He is. It recognizes Him as the Son of God, that He is the one that will light this room. He is the one that can transform lives. We know that that vision is of God and by that Spirit. It didn't elevate R.D. in the least, which a false spirit will do. It didn't advance R.D.'s causes, which a false spirit will do. He wants us to know the difference. He wants us to know when it's him talking to us or when it is a false spirit talking to us. He simply wants us to understand. He wants us to know the difference between when he speaks to us and a false voice speaks to us. He wants us to know when a vision is from him or when it's from a false spirit. He wants us to know when we receive a revelation that it is from him and not a false spirit. He truly wants us to know. But this is the question that I asked last week. Why does he use the word antichrist? Why not anti-Jesus? Why not anti-God? Why not anti-Father? Why does he use the word antichrist? Well, there's a significant reason. It is because the word Christ means anointed. The message is simple. Any spirit that does not recognize that Jesus is the anointed is the spirit of anti-anointing, anti-Christ. We talked about this a little bit in Sunday school this morning, that Satan's great works kind of come in two, in two ways. For those who don't believe, and some still sitting here this morning because God showed me a very clear picture that this was supposed to be full. So all he's telling me is that there's some who are still sitting here with this question, and it's okay. He will help you answer that question about your salvation. Am I sure? Jimmy Kennedy, former pastor, just a wonderful guy, would say to us, do you know that you know that you know that you know that you are a child of God, that you are saved? You see, Satan's great works for anyone who's not saved is to get you to not believe in the name Jesus. That's his great work. To try to keep those who are lost, lost. So that they will never accept the name of Jesus as the one who could save them, transform them. But within the church, for those who have already accepted Jesus, for those who have already taken that step and you're not going to change their mind about who Jesus is, the great work of Satan is to get you to believe in Jesus without the anointing. To get you to believe in a Jesus who is no more powerful nor more able than anyone else. To get us to buy into Jesus unanointed. When was he anointed? Again, Danny spoke of this very, very clearly before he prayed just a few minutes ago. When was Jesus anointed? If we go to Matthew chapter 3, we would find it there. I'm not going to read the scripture. I'm just going to tell you as Danny did. What happened at his baptism? When he came up out of the water... His father from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And all of a sudden, without question and now publicly announced, God says, that's my son. And I'm so pleased in him. 
pleased. Why? Because when John the Baptist came and said, no, I need to be baptized of you, Jesus says, no, I need to be baptized of you so that all things would be fulfilled. What did the father see in that moment in his son? He saw obedience. That's what he was looking for. He was looking for that obedience. The same thing he's looking for in you and I. The same thing he wants to see in every one of our lives that will transform us. He wants to see obedience. So he saw obedience in Jesus and Jesus came up out of the water and his father adopted him. Guess what happens when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and we come up out of that water. Guess what happens? We are adopted as the children of God. I have the same standing as the Son of God. That blows my mind that I can have the same relationship that Jesus had with his father when he was on this earth, that I can have that same relationship. And that second thing that Danny said, when he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended on him, looked like a dove, but it was the Holy Spirit that came and indwelt him. And then all of heaven was open unto him. Guess what happens to us? The life that we're supposed to live. But most of us, many of us, have accepted Jesus as our Savior, but refuse to accept the anointing. Refuse to accept the reality that I am a son of God. I was never designed to be a servant. I was designed to be a son. What's the big difference? You can take a servant and he will see his master's home. He will see his master's wealth. He will see his master's goods. He will see his master's land. And he, but he will never believe for a second that that master will give it to him. A son, on the other hand, living in his father's house, will know automatically by right and by relationship that everything that the father has is mine. So here we are, absent the anointing, functioning like servants in a house where we were designed to be sons. Serving as servants where we were designed to be the children of God, to have that dynamic relationship simply because we would accept Jesus without the anointing. We accept Jesus without the reality of the coming of the Holy Spirit. We'll accept Jesus, but without the reality that all of heaven is now open to me, I minister under an open heaven. This, this is hard for me to bring up, but I'm standing here holding John's hand as Danny's praying, and something was sleeving me to the point where I when I got here, I was lightheaded. There's no glory in this for me, but something was happening because someday, by the assurance of God and by the prophetic word, John's going to stand up out of this chair. I don't know why it hadn't happened yet, but I don't want you to ever walk in here and wonder, is he going to, is he going to walk again? Because the answer to that is yes. Max sent me that text message from Azusa Street revival where they are right now and you can we watched some of it on tv last night and he said so far he'd seen three abandoned wheelchairs no one in them to see what god had done in those moments to to pick those people up out of those wheelchairs and stand them on their feet you see i have I can't imagine a god less i can't put my faith in a god who would do any less because he told us i want on this earth everything that's in heaven he said it i didn't say it on earth as it is in heaven what happened to Jesus in that day? Why did he need that anointing? Why did he need that touch from God? Because he was fixing to be asked to be the very demonstration, the supernatural reality of his father now becoming evident on this earth. You want to try that without the Holy Spirit? You want to step in the role as the Messiah to transform the world without the Holy Spirit? 
You want to be able to speak the words of God with authority if you can't hear the voice of God? You see, what happened to Jesus in that moment, that he has such a desire to happen to us in the moments when we accept him, is that he suddenly gives us the ability to live above human limitations, a life that was designed to be the very display of our Heavenly Father. How are you going to do it? Accept Jesus with the anointing. I don't know where you stand this morning, and that's why God asked me to start where we started. Because there are some here who've never stepped into the reality of becoming a child of God, of beginning that journey. I don't mind telling you what I asked Zanae. I don't mind telling you what I asked Sabrina. It's very simple. What did Philip ask the eunuch when they were together? Do you believe with all your heart that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe with all your heart that he can save you? Will you in this moment receive the gift of salvation that he's offering you by faith? Upon their yes, salvation has come. I'm not trying to make it a small thing. It cost God his son to create that moment. It took God letting his son die on the cross to create the moment when we can say, yes, I accept your salvation. That was the simple reality of it. So where do we go? If this morning we have received Jesus, but we refuse the anointing, guess what happens? This is what was said in my office. He made this statement. He said, after being saved, I had to become my own Holy Spirit. Wow. I had to become my own Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? If you've accepted Jesus this morning, but you've refused to step into the anointing, you have had to become your own Holy Spirit. And these were the words. This is all that came out of his mouth before I got it, before I knew this was the message that I was supposed to share today. He made this statement. When I hurt, I had to comfort myself. Some of these things are going to sound amazingly familiar. We have to comfort ourselves when we're hurting because there's no one else. Or we have to try to find someone who can comfort us who's not qualified to do the comforting. But we have to trust them because we don't know what else to do. We have to find company when we are lonely. We have to strengthen ourselves when we're weak. We have to trust ourselves when we are uncertain. We will have to find some means of coping when our hearts are broken. If John 14, 26 is true, then without him, without that anointing without the Holy Spirit, we must teach ourselves. And I want to tell you, that's got us into quite a mess. Having to teach ourselves has got us into quite a mess within our understanding of the Bible. If Romans 8, 26 is true, then without him, we must intercede for ourselves. If Acts 8, 39 is true, then without him, we must perform every great act of God ourselves. You know how tiring that is to try to be a church without him? That means everything that happens is on us. Every great work, every attempt, every program, everything we do has got to be on us. If Romans 8, 14 is true, then without him, we will have to lead ourselves because there won't be anyone to lead us. We will not know how to pray. We won't know how to worship. I wonder how many are sitting here this morning that are very, very tired of being their own Holy Spirit who've had to look into a mirror to try to find answers, try to find within themselves strength when there was none, try to find healing for a broken heart, 
You want to know why we live with, with things over many, many years when we don't have to? It's because the one who was designed to come and be those things, to be our comfort, to be our healing, to be our strength, to be our leader, to be our joy, to be our peace, to be our kindness, to be our love. The one who came to do that is Jesus, the anointed. Who are we supposed to be? I'm supposed to be Randy, the anointed. I'm supposed to be Randy, the one who accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior and received the anointing of Jesus so that I too could say that I'm a child of God, that I too have received the Holy Spirit, that I too now minister under an open heaven. There will never be a problem that you have that God is not big enough to overcome. He said it very clearly. I have come and I have overcome the world. There will be nothing Not a single situation in our world today, as gloom as it may seem, that is bigger than the reality of God. I don't know the size of the God that you believe in. Here's the answer. If you want to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, I'll read it and I'll conclude here. Ephesians chapter 5. I'll begin reading with verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all the things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourself one to another in the fear of God. Notice again that verse 18. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That phrase runs consistently through the book. Be filled with the Spirit. I would ask you this morning, if you know that you, who you are, you know that you're a child of God, but you've never received that anointing. If you've never stepped, taken that step into the reality of God, Please don't leave without it. There's not a single person here who would be alarmed at your standing up and that you're coming forward and saying, I want to receive what I have never received. Yes, I received Jesus. He is my Savior, but I have lived without the anointing. I've lived under the spirit of anti-anointing. Recognize we have an enemy who's desperately trying to get us as believers now, not as lost. As lost, he's trying to keep you from believing in Jesus at all. But as a believer, he's trying to get you to believe in Jesus. He'll accept that. Because if you'll accept Jesus without the anointing, you're going to accept a Jesus who's powerless to change your life. Jesus, the anointed. What does he want to do in you this morning? Just how broken does your story have to get? Just how tragic does your story have to look before you're willing to give up on everything and say, maybe God is my answer. I don't know the brokenness of your story. Every time when we minister to someone, the man who came a couple of weeks ago, what had changed his life, what had radically broken him was an almost unrecognizable event that happened when he was a kid about this big. How in the world could something that happened to us as such small children so radically change our lives? It's because Satan is a coward. And the best place he can attack 
is in the brokenness of a child's heart. And all he has to do is to get that child to believe something wrong about themselves that will start creating fruit that looks like that instead of the fruit that looks like God. He's determined to change our identity so that the fruit we produce will be destructive instead of leading to life. I don't know who that's talking to this morning. I don't know who that is. But I know this morning that this church still, as this guy came and said, I need to know, I need to know what the lie is. I need to, I need to find the healing. I need to find the restoration. I need to find the deliverance because I can't live like this anymore. I can't live in the brokenness anymore. I can't live under the false identity anymore. I can't live under a lie anymore. And God set him free that Saturday morning. It was amazing to watch as God set him free. In his testimony, as he received that deliverance, he said, I don't know what just happened, but he said, this cold started in my toes and just came up through me. It came through me like a breeze. The peace of God replacing the brokenness of a heart. God is trying this morning not to reach you with a heavy hand. He's trying to reach you this morning with an intimate voice. Something speaking to you so quietly on the inside. He's trying to touch your heart gently so that you won't wonder if he's trying to slap you or not. No, he's not. He's telling you, I love you. I love you. I love you. I can't do anything else but love you. I love you. I love you. God is a God of freedom. He is not a God of fear. He tells us that. But for us to be convinced of that is very, very difficult because we like to be in control all the time. But all God wants for you is complete fulfillment in everything of what He created you to be, your full talents, your full new name. But He can only do that if you let go. The two biggest things God showed me was we have our pride and we have our prejudice that we bring in. Our religious prejudice, the way we think it has to be done, the way we were trained, all of our rituals, and we don't want to give those up because God might do it in a different way and that we're not used to or comfortable. And we have our pride. What if God asked me to do something that might be a little crazy? Well, let me tell you something. Some of those things that God prompts you to do, if you will just go with that, you will be surprised because He will flow through your fingertips, through your money, through those things that you just all of a sudden He asks you to do and God will flow through that. But you have to give up that pride. You have to give up that prejudice. And if you let that go, you will be surprised the freedom that you will find. Jay, let's get the praise team up there and sing All Rise.